Amen. Well, again, thank you for being here with us at Abundant Life Church. And uh, listen, one of the things that we love doing here is that we just love God's Word. We want to be biblically faithful. It's one of our values. Not only do we want to be biblically faithful, we want to be relevant. And when we say relevant, we mean we believe strongly that God's Word is for us today. We believe with all of our hearts that what God wrote um, you know, so long ago is still true today because it's from God. The Bible says that heaven and earth is going to pass away, but God's word is going to stand forever. And so we love going through different sections of the Bible, but we're taking a little break this summer just to talk about some topics that are kind of uncomfortable, some topics that we'd rather not address in church because maybe it brings pain or maybe it brings confusion or maybe we're afraid we're going to upset somebody. And, uh, and so sometimes they're uncomfortable. And uh, if you missed some of those topics, you can go back and watch the last couple of weeks as we've been hitting different things like grief and financial stewardship and holiness and when, what does it mean to speak in tongues and what does it mean to have a biblical worldview and those kind of things. And today we're talking about a red hot topic. We're talking about a topic that is everywhere in media, causing division, right? Splitting families, very difficult topic. And no, we're not talking about masks, okay? That was two years ago. Can we get an amen that masks are kind of like, you know, we're past that time? Praise God, right? Thank you, Lord, right? But we are talking about another hard topic, and that's homosexuality. And honestly, if you look on the back of your bulletin, it says homosexuality and the transgender movement. But last night at 7 o'clock, as I was just going through things, I was like, well, they're either going to be here till about 1.30, or I better split this into two parts. So, um, so some of the wording on your, on your bulletin, for those who follow on the bulletin, um, we're going to just focus today on the topic of homosexuality. We're going to talk about the transgender movement and, and um, gender confusion next week. And uh, however, everything is updated too um, on the version app. So if you want to follow along with notes, it is all on there as well. But I mean, the truth is, you know, this is an uncomfortable conversation. So let's just all say together, say, repeat after me, say, love God. Love people, follow Jesus. That's what we long to do here, right? And that is what we have together. And yes, this is going to be uncomfortable because the truth is, you know, homosexuality has, has often been so shunned and looked down on in the church um, because of what we believe what God's word says. Um, and then you have this rise of, of this, the pride movement that in the last 20, 30 years have so many people just saying, hey, I don't need to hide this area in my life. I'm going to come out and just be a, not be ashamed of it. And, and with that, it's been coming out with just this everywhere you go, everyone is celebrating that. And I think for believers and Christians, it's caused us to have somewhat of a little bit more resentment in our hearts. And so we just have all these viewpoints. Or we have churches that are just saying, let's Let's just accept it. Let's just say, hey, everything's okay, and you know, we'll just ignore those verses in the Bible, and, and everybody can just come the way they are. And, and let me just say, if you're listening online, or if you're tuning in, and, or maybe you're here, and, and you believe that homosexuality is okay, or, or maybe this is just part of your lifestyle, we just want to say, we love you too. We love you, and we know that God loves you. And we're not here to offend or push anybody away, but we are here to say, what does God's word say, and how can we walk 
through that. And so I would ask you, don't tune me out quite yet. And I would also ask you, church, uh, before you write me a, a, an email or a text message, just, just hear my whole message today, okay, before you go anywhere. Because I, I do believe and I do know that probably 90% or more of you who are listening to me have a similar view of what I'm going to talk about. And, and so um, we're probably, I, I want to challenge you today on just how we approach people who might be different. Okay, so just hang in there with me, okay? I know it's going to be a little uncomfortable, but my question is, if Jesus walked today, right, if Jesus came back and walked in 2022, how would he interact with people who are a part of the LGBT community? How would he interact with people who, who um, were living in a homosexual lifestyle? You know, and, and so that's what my heart is today, so that we can we can follow and live as Jesus lived, right? Because Jesus said they'll know that we are Christians by our love. And in the same, you know, book in the Bible, I mean, in the same, same New Testament, it says that we are not to be conformed to this world, but we are to be transformed by the renewing of our mind. So Lord, how can we journey through this? So real quick disclaimer, you know, just to make sure everybody knows and, and online, just that I recognize I can't fully understand with those who who have lived in a homosexual lifestyle, I haven't. I'm not saying that to say that I'm better. I am not better in any way, shape, or form, but I recognize that I haven't experienced that. And, and I'm excited to show a little bit of clips of a testimony of somebody who has today because I'm trying to understand and listen to people who go through this journey. I have listened and talked to many people that have either struggled with this temptation or lived in this lifestyle trying to listen and hear what they've said. I've listened to talk to people who have turned their, their, their life back to the Lord and walked in the way that God has called them to walk and, and walked away from a homosexual lifestyle. I, I've had those conversations. I've had conversations with people saying, I'm just living in temptation. How do I do this? How do I, how do I fight through this? And so, so I recognize that, that, that I don't know everything here, okay? Uh, so here's how I want to challenge us today, and here's how I'm going to handle this. I just want to dispel some myths today. I just want to dispel about five different myths that we have in regards to homosexuality. And I think some of these myths, again, um, I, I, I want you to know that are, are going to be more for us as a church, Okay, some are for the culture, but some of them are for the church. And, and, and again, we, we just need to understand how this is just taking off in our, our, in our culture. We need to be educated and informed because this is taking off. Here's a, here's a rec recent statistic, okay? Here's a different, these are different colors that talk about the different generations. And so the gray generation is uh, Generation X, that's mine, 40 and 50 year olds. The, the red is uh, baby boomers, that's, you know, 60, 70 year olds. That gray line that's extending up to 9%, those are millennials. And what this, again, chart says, these are Americans who identify as the LGBT by generation. And so you can understand, you can see how this is increasing, and especially the millennials who are in the 20 to 30 year range. And we wonder why many 20 and 30 year years want no part of church, Right? Um, the statistic, it says that over 60% or right around 60% of millennials do not think homosexuality is immoral in any way, shape, or form. And, and that might be shocking to you, but to be honest with you, the article that I read that from, they were shocked that there were still 40% of millennials that felt that it was immoral, right? Because this is just how our culture is going. And if you're wondering, say, well, wait, where's Generation Z at on this chart? Generation Z is that little dot up there because Generation Z are our kids 20 and under or 18 and under. 
And you can see how many more of them are associating themselves with the LGBT community, associating themselves with, with homosexuality, associating themselves with transgender and different things like that. And so as you can tell, this is very relevant to what's going on. And church, if we just close our ears and pretend that we're in 1950, and again, I'm not trying to offend anybody, we're not going to reach anybody in this community. And, and the truth of the matter is God loves everyone. The truth of the matter is 100% of every single person who lives has the fingerprints of God on them. And we're created in the image of God. And so, again, Lord, how can we understand? So we're going to dispel, dispel a couple myths today, okay? Myth number one that I want to dispel is everyone who is homosexual has a similar background and reasons for their choices. That's a myth. Listen, the, when, I, when the, the pride movement really took off probably about 20 years ago, and when homosexuality really was something that our culture started embracing and the church first started wrestling with it, I think the biggest argument was, well, I'm just born this way. I'm born this way, I'm born this way, I'm born this way. And so because I'm born this way, this is just how I am. God made me this way, therefore it's okay. I think that was probably the number one reason why people felt like they were homosexual and they practice this. Oh, I feel, I, I'm, a, I'm a guy, but I just feel more effeminate, so I must be gay, or I'm a, I'm a female, and I just feel more like a boy, so I must be gay. And today, again, it's, they don't stop there. It's just that now I gotta, you know, walk into the transgender movement as well with this, right? But I, I think that that was kind of like the main reason. But today, if you listen to stories of people who are wrestling with different aspects of this, right, their, their reasons are all over the place. It's not just, well, I just feel born this way, but you have people with broken families, no mom figure in their life, no dad figure in their life, or a toxic relationship with a mom or dad, or I was abused, or I had a hurtful relationship, or I was molested as a child by, by an uncle or an aunt or something like that, or, or past abuse of some way, or, or just media influence. All my friends are, are homosexual, so I need to be too because I need to fit in with them, right? I mean, there is so many reasons for why people wrestle today with homosexuality and with just everything in regards to the LGBT movement, right? And so it's, it's, it's important. I, I share this myth with us because it's important for us as people to just be able to hear and listen. I've said this many times. Loving and listening is so close that the common person doesn't know the difference. That's a quote from Peter Segaro. And, and I love that quote because sometimes we just have to listen to what people are going through. So I, I'm going to play a quick video. Um, I'm going I'm to share just a little bit of her testimony in the beginning. Her name's Jackie Hill Perry. Um, and, um, and then we're going to watch some of her other part of her testimony later in the message. So watch this with me today. I was born June 21st, 1989. And I was born... To a, uh, in a single parent household. I think that already kind of established a bit of confusion in me just because I didn't have a father figure. My dad was very inconsistent. He would <clears throat> come into my life in seasons and then come out of my life. And so my entire framework of men for a long time was that men were not to be trusted, that men said things that they did not believe, that men did things that they did not uh, really want to do specifically when it related to me. Um, I was introduced to pornography around the age of five or six, um, and I was molested around the age of seven. So you have to understand that now I'm not only fatherless, 
but I'm also being introduced to sexuality in its preferred form. I'm being introduced to sexuality in a way that makes it seem as if sexuality is to be outside of marriage, but also that it means that it's to be an objectifying thing, that it has no dignity attached, that it has nothing to do with glory, and it has nothing to do with Jesus. It's just people doing what they want to do. Um, and so I'm already having kind of a confused perspective when it comes to sex itself. I think that's why our generation of millennials, if you will, I think that's why we're kind of jacked up now is because we see we have been introduced to sexuality in a distorted form. And so now when people tell us that sex is beautiful within marriage between one man and one woman, it sounds confusing. It doesn't sound as beautiful because that wasn't the original way we learned about it in the first place. And so that's where I came from um, growing up. I also had gender confusion. So I felt in myself that I wasn't supposed to be a woman. It felt as if this body was not my own. It felt like this body was a bit strange. I felt more comfortable uh, being in masculine positions and doing masculine things. And honestly, to be frank, I believe the culture has assisted us in this kind of confusion because for too long, it has made femininity and masculinity things that are not biblical. For somebody like me who doesn't like pink, um, who doesn't wear purses because I don't like extra baggage. I would prefer to have my debit card and my phone in my back pocket. I have been told growing up that that made me a tomboy, that that made me less than feminine. And so now when people start to question themselves, what they're questioning is things that wasn't even non-feminine in the first place. Um, and so I just was just confused. So we'll stop there for now. So we'll watch a little bit more in a little bit. But you hear just some of the different things that influenced her life. And again, if you're online and you're watching with us, if you're here in person and, and you wrestle with homosexuality or if this is just a, a lifestyle, I just want to make it clear, I don't know what your story is. I believe with all my heart your story is different. All of our stories are different. But we just have to recognize the fact that there is, there is something that we can know, that even though everybody's story is different, the truth is there are many hurting people in our culture today. Can we, can we all acknowledge that? There are many hurting people, not just people who, are, who struggle with the homosexual lifestyle. There are so many people. There's so much hurt that's gotten passed down from grandparents down to our parents, down to us or our great-grandparents, and just, just, just different things that have, have come on as different sins that have been passed down, different consequences that have been passed down, different ways we've been affected. Listen, I think the reason why, again, like she said, the, the rise of, of this in the millennial movement and especially under is because one thing that denotes the millennials is that they've grown up with screens from the start. I mean, they've grown up with, with cell phones in their hands since they were in high school or younger, and so having access to those screens and the things you see on screens at such a young age, parents not protecting them, right? And so we, we're, we're just um, aware of all these things in regards to sex that are unhealthy in the media, and then we just take that on. We're like, okay, this is what I'm supposed to be like, you know? And so it, it's a spilling out. And so my encouragement to us today is that if we just kind of like brush over the fact that people are hurting, we're just going to be judgmental, right? We're, we're just going to be people that are like, oh, you're just a sinner going to hell and that's all that matters. And we're going to, we're just going to take those people and we're going to disregard them, right? And, and we're going to just become more self-righteous. Oh, at least I'm better. And that wasn't how Jesus lived. You know, it says in Mark chapter 6, Jesus went ashore. He saw a great crowd and he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. 
And I just want to encourage us that if we're going to make a difference in this world, if we're going to make a difference in millennials, if we're going to make a difference in the Gen Z, we need to be people of compassion. We need to be people who can listen. We need to be people who are loving and and just trying to be understanding to where they're at. Listen, this next passage, I'm going to just offend everybody with, okay? You ready for this? I'm going to offend everybody. Because in Luke chapter 5, Jesus reaches out to a guy named Levi or Matthew. He was a tax collector. And he says, hey, come and follow me. Everyone hated tax collectors, right? And when when Levi said, I'm going to follow you, he invited Jesus over his house. And all of a sudden, Jesus is like, sure, I'll go over your house. And so in Luke chapter 5, Jesus goes over, and he sits down and has a banquet with them, right? Problem is, he didn't realize the Pharisees were watching him. And the Pharisees, man, they, they had a ball with this. Like, who are you, Jesus, to be sitting with these people? It literally says in one of the versions in the ESV, it says, why are you sitting and eating with such scum? And I think sometimes we can look at people's sin. We can look at how they're different. We can look at their struggles. And I think sometimes we can look at them and just say, they're just scum. And let me just say that if we ever, if you ever felt that way by a Christian, I want to say, I'm sorry. Because our role is not to make anyone feel like scum. But here's then what Jesus said. And this is what is also offensive. Because Jesus goes on to say this in Luke 5. He says, Jesus answered them, healthy people don't need a doctor, sick people do. And I have come to call not those who think they are righteous, but those who know that they are sinners and need to repent. He came to help those who are sick. We are called to go and help those who are sick. And listen, that can be offensive to somebody today. Oh, you think I'm sick? You think I need help? Listen, we are all sick. And we all need help, and we're going to get there. But we need to have compassion. We need to recognize that if Jesus walked today, I believe that he would be at some point away in the LGBT community around people who are sick so he could call them to repent because that's who Jesus was, right? And that's who Jesus is calling us to do. Now listen, when we come to this word, let me just say, what is the purpose of this word, right? The purpose of this word, right, is to reveal who God is, right? And yes, the purpose of this word is to help us to know how God intended for us to live. But this Bible also not just tells us who God is and was and how we should live, but it shows us the way for us to have a relationship with God. It shows us the reality is we've gone off course. We haven't lived as God wanted us to live. Now what? It, from cover to cover, it shows us the way that God made for salvation. All the way back to the fall, God was saying, it's okay, I'm going to make a way of salvation. That is through Jesus Christ. That is through Jesus Christ. And the main goal of this word is for us to be able to declare that good news that there is a way to be right with God again. And as we bring Christ into our life, then all of a sudden now it's he, he brings us back on track and says, there is still a way that I've intended for you to live that I guarantee is best for you. And this is in this word. And so let me just share another myth that we, we have, right? Because as much as, as much as this movement's taken off, I think there's a myth out there in culture that says, well, the Bible is undated. So myth number two that's out there is biblical views on homosexuality. It's outdated, right? It's not for our current culture. Oh, we're in 2022. There's some of that still works today, but not all of it. And it's not just people in the culture, but people in, in other churches that are saying, we need to change this in order to make an impact in this world. And I disagree with that emphatically. 
Because the word of God should never change. I believe that this word isn't outdated. How can this word be outdated? Let me just take you back. Do you guys remember that when God created Adam and Eve in the garden, he made them male and female. He looked upon them and said, this is good. He made sex to be between a male and female and said, listen, this is for you, for your pleasure, and not just for pleasure, but for procreation, right? Without that, we wouldn't be here today, right? Procreation happens between a male and a female. We all know that scientifically, right? And this is what God wanted. But listen, it, it, it goes all the way back to Genesis chapter 3 that when, when Adam was tempted to eat the fruit in the Garden of Eden, right, that when he did that, he allowed sin to enter his heart. That that rebellious act of eating one piece of fruit turned his heart away from following ultimately what God had for him. And that sin has been passed down from generation to generation. It goes from Genesis 3 of, of, of Adam eating a fruit to Genesis 4 to Cain killing his brother Abel. To that quickly. And it goes from Genesis 4 to Cain killing Abel to Genesis chapter 6 where it says God looked at the wickedness of man on the earth and it was great and every intention of the thoughts of his heart was continually evil against what God intended. Every thought. That includes every thought about sexuality. Evil. That's Genesis chapter 6. Do you think the word of God is outdated? Listen, Sodom and Gomorrah, right? Genesis chapter 18, this wicked city, God said, I am going to destroy it. God sends two male angels in there to rescue Lot, and the people were banging on the door. It says they were groping at the door to rip the men out so they could molest them and rape them, other men, right? And God sent fire on those cities. How is this outdated? This goes back 4,000 years ago. When God delivered um, the Israelites out of Egypt, right? And, and when Moses was leading them in the desert and gave him his word, this is what it says. It says in Leviticus chapter 20, if a man lies with a man as a woman, both of them have committed an abomination. And then it goes on to say what happens if you sleep with a, a woman and her mother. It goes on to talk about bestiality, that we shouldn't lie with animals. I mean, right? I mean, and, and then it just goes on to say, it says, listen, keep the statues that I've given you. Verse 23, and you shall not walk in the customs of the nation that I'm driving out before you and do the things that they've done. And therefore, I've detested them. So right back from the beginning, there is something in God's word that says, I under, God understood we are prone to wickedness and we are prone to take what God meant for good and to turn it to evil. And so this myth that, wait, God's word is just outdated, it's a myth, okay? It's a myth. The truth is our current culture resembles cultures from thousands of years ago. And so nothing is new here and God isn't surprised by anything. And that's why this word is still relevant and why we need to come to it and say, why did God write this so many thousands of years ago that we should stay away from these things? Listen, do you understand that even in the Roman culture that homosexuality and orgies and all the such was very prominent in the Roman culture? I mean, I was reading some things. I put some things in my notes and I was like, no, I don't even want to say it because I was sick to read some of the very uh, practices that, that the Roman culture engaged in in regards to sexuality and homosexuality and all those things. It was, it was so prevalent, so prevalent. You know, Romans were even open to pedophilia. Many of the Caesars had children who were their sex slaves, who, who pleasured them sexually, and that was acceptable in the Roman culture. Let me, let me just challenge you. If we just go into this culture of, I can do whatever I want or think, 
just let me alone, guess what? That's coming eventually too. You know that into our culture because that's where we go to. Our culture is resembling other cultures and as other cultures went, so will we go. And so I just want to warn the, 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 the myth of, well, the Bible's just outdated because no, I, I, it's not outdated. It, it's very relevant. And, and I think what we do then is like, well, if the Bible is, is, is not outdated, then we need to change it. And so you, you will find voices out there that will say, uh, we, we need to change it. It's not true. I mean, one of, the, one of the voices out there, Matthew Vines, he wrote a book called God and the Gay Christian. And, uh, you know, as, he, as he's kind of like rebuking or not rebuking, but trying to, to get his way around some of the verses in the Bible, he said, man, the fiercest objection to the LGB community is those who have religious beliefs. Um, if we can just get them to fall away, all the pain's going to be gone. Um, they said, you know, um, I mean, that was his goal in this, right? We just need to figure out a way to get around this. And so, you know, it's like looking up the words, well, is abomination really mean abomination? It doesn't mean sin, right? And so just making justifications. Well, you know, Romans 1 says that homosexuality is wrong, but Romans is all about grace. It was just one little part. Let's not worry about it. Or he literally says, you know what? The sin of Sodom and Gomorrah wasn't homosexuality. It was because... It was hospitality. They wanted, they should have been hospitality. They should have been uh, hospitable to one another. I mean, that's his argument. And it's just incredible how we can just take God's word and we can try to do whatever we can to make the justifications that we want so that we can live how our evil, wicked heart desires. But it's not in God's word. But I will tell you this, church. Let me just come back because I'm kind of going back and forth here. I will tell you this, church, and we need to hear this. Myth number three. The myth that we believe is that homosexuality is, a worse, is worse than other sins, and those who practice it should be banned from the church. That's a myth, church. It's a myth. Homosexuality is not worse than other sins. Can I get an amen? I know we don't like to say that because we're all, you know, Devin, if you say that, are we turning into an affirming church here? Relax. There is a truth, though. It's not any worse Right? I mean, we, we come to the place that, you know, it's okay. You know, hey, I love my neighbor. We're best friends. You know, yeah, he's not a believer and he cusses all the time, but I don't care. You know, I'm, I'm trying to be a good neighbor to him. Great. You know, or, or you know what? I got a coworker and, and all he does is work and he's into money and I, and I can tell money is his God, but, you know, I'm trying to be an influence on him and I'm trying to be, a, okay, that's cool. But all of a sudden then we have someone who's, who, who has a homosexual lifestyle and we're like, I don't want any part of that. And church, I, Maybe we are becoming homophobic. Because if I'm going to treat someone's sin differently than I treat someone who's homosexual, I'm becoming homophobic. All sin is wrong in God's eyes. And we need to not be afraid to, when we have relationship with people, to be able to discuss what God's word says. But we shouldn't judge some people's sin worse than other people's sins. And we need to still somehow be a church where I've had, many, I've had a couple different times where we've had people come into our church and they are literally drunk, out of their mind. And I've been so blessed and I've been so honored to have people who are in this church love on the person, care for the person, come up and pray for the person, walk outside with the person, help them get down the steps of Walnut Street because they might stumble even though they smelled, offer to get them lunch because they love them and care for them even though we all agree that drunkenness is wrong and it says in the Bible we should not be drunk. But we would loved and cared for that person so that we could take the message of Jesus Christ. And so in the same way, we also need to know people are not banned from our church if they come in with a different lifestyle, right? We're going to love them and care for them, and we're going to also teach them the Word of God and what the Word of God says. 
I've been honored so much over the year. You know, as our culture has changed, many people before coming to know Jesus, heterosexual relationships, they just start living together. It's the norm. Am I right about that? It's the norm. But the Word of God says that we shouldn't live together. The Word of God says we should wait till we're married, and then we should engage in sexual activity, and that usually happens when two people live together. And so, listen, have we turned people away in our church who are living together, and they've come into our church? No, we haven't. We love you. We care for you. We want you to know Jesus. We want God's transforming work to be done in your life. And as we get to know people, then we can talk and help them work through that process. I've had multiple conversations of people who are living together, who are, who are coming to get married, saying, Devin, will you marry us? And I've had conversations with them say, I love you so much. I'm excited. Do you want God in your relationship? Yes. Do you want to honor God? Yes. God doesn't want you to be having sexual relationships because you're not married and you need to repent right now and turn from that right now. And I can't think of one person who said, Devin, you're wrong, and got up and left. Everybody's like, you're right, Devin. Okay, I'll do that. And I'm so thankful for their heart. Why? Because we formed a relationship with people, got to know people, got to love them, care for them, and then help them to learn the way that God wants us to walk in. So let's be careful not to just push people out the door because the truth is all sin is, is condemned in the eyes of God, right? All sin, right? The truth is, right, as it says in James 2, whoever keeps the whole law but fails in just one has been guilty of sin. We're all guilty of it, Right? The truth is, Jesus said, if you look at another woman of a man's wife lustfully, you've committed adultery. I've done that in the past. Jesus said, if you call someone a fool and you hate them in their heart, you've committed murder. I've done that. I've committed murder in my heart. We are all sinners, right? And so we need to just recognize that, hey, we, like all sin is condemned in the eyes of of God. And what we need to just understand is the truth that Jesus came to save all people. We're not going to be able to read Romans 1 right now. There's a lot just for sake of time. But the truth is, Jesus came to save all people. All people. Listen, I'm, I'm not here just to argue, right? That, that uh, oh, what does the Bible say? I, I don't, I don't want to have this long dissertation of looking up Greek words on whether or not the Bible says it. But I am here to say that Listen, we are all people that our roots come from our parents who come from their parents who come all the way back from Adam and we have a sinful nature. And that sinful nature lives in our heart and has lived in our heart and out of that comes out leaves of sin, right? And homosexuality is just one leaf on the tree of sin. That's what Jackie, one of the things that uh, Jackie Perry said later in her message, it's, it's just one sin. Lust is on that tree. Anger is on that tree. Jealousy is on that tree, right? It all comes from a, the roots of a sinful nature, right? But when we come to Jesus and he, he came to give us life because when his spirit comes into the life of a person, right, all of a sudden we're filled with his spirit. We no longer want to live according to the flesh. We want to live according to the spirit, and when that spirit does a work in our lives, all of a sudden comes joy and peace and, and love and patience and, and a desire to say, God, I want to live as you called me to live, right? There's something in us to say, it doesn't matter how I'm feeling at the end of the line, whatever God says, this is what I want to do. I want to live for you. Listen, I, I would just challenge you really quickly that if you are living in a homosexual lifestyle, if you have lived in a homosexual lifestyle, if you disagree with right, me right now, if you, if you believe, hey, it's okay for Christians to, to be lesbians or to be gay, it's, it's okay, I would, I would just ask you this question. Have you submitted your entire life to Jesus Christ? 
Are you willing to listen to all of what his word is? Or is it just this one area that you're wrestling with? Because most likely, most situations, those people aren't willing to listen to Jesus in any of the areas of their life. And it's not until we come and we say, Jesus, you are Lord. It's not until that happens that someone is willing to say, okay, I want to know Jesus and I'm willing to surrender it all. Listen, do we, let me, let me ask you this question. When we see someone who wrestles with drunkenness, do we just go and tell them stop being drunk because you're going to hell? Or do we want them to come know Jesus? Right, when we see someone who might, you know, back in the day, it was like, oh, you drink or smoke, right? Those smokers, they need to stop smoking. No, we want them to come to know Jesus and let Jesus do that transforming work in their life, right? When someone's cursing up a storm and they have just a crazy mouth, right? Right, we want them to come and know Jesus and Jesus is going to do that work in and through their life. And listen, we want all people to come and know Jesus Christ, and he will do that work. Myth number four, myth number four. This is, this is for, this is for the, some of the culture today. I think the myth that out there is that sexual freedom will bring people the peace that they need in their lives. Meaning like, oh, if I could, if I could just be free and I can do whatever I want sexually, just take those, bound, those, those chains off me so I can do whatever I want, then I'm gonna have peace. Then I'm gonna be happy, right? That's not true. Let me just tell you, if you're married out there, oh, if I could just have an affair with that one person, then I'll be happy. No, you won't. Oh, if I could just watch as much porn as I want, then I'll be happy. No, you won't. Because the truth of the matter is, when we give ourselves to the flesh, we reap the flesh. And the more that we just let ourselves go, right, the more pain and struggle comes into our lives. It says here in James chapter 1, it says, But each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. That then desire, when it conceives, gives birth to sin, and sin, when it's fully grown, brings, brings forth death. Listen, this is not just what the Bible says. This is seen in people over and over and over again. Some of you experienced it in your life. I've experienced it in my life. That when I've let myself go to do whatever my flesh wants to do, I'm bringing forth death in my body and in my life. Listen, let's just be real practical. If we just let ourselves go and eat and drink whatever we want, right? We just let ourselves go, I'm just going to eat whatever I want. How do you feel after that? Not too good. What happens you do that every single day? You're going to die quicker, right? And when we give ourselves to the temptations of this world, um, it just brings forth death. You know, uh, some of you um, we might remember the movie Aladdin, you know, the old Disney movie Aladdin, you know, and at the end, you know, Jafar is like asking for wishes, the, 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 the evil guy, and he's like, I want to be a genie so I can have the most power and do whatever I want, right? And I can, I can have all the power of a genie. And what happens when he asks to be a genie? Anybody remember? All of a sudden, these, these cuffs go on his hands, and he realizes that he's chained to that little, that little um, pot jar thing, right? That little lamp. And that's what happens to sin. We let ourselves go to sin, and all of a sudden we become a slave to sin. That's why we need to have compassion. Listen, following our, our, our ways that we desire, it's not going to lead to a better life. It's going to actually lead to more pain. I, wanna, I want you to listen to the rest of, of Jackie's testimony because she talks about some of this pain that she went through and, and how the Lord kind of set her free here. So watch the rest of this video with me, church.
I had never known that Christianity was Jesus. I had never known that Christianity was relationship. I had never known that salvation was a supernatural work of the spirit of God. So I'm in this lifestyle, I'm doing me. Um, the interesting thing is a Christian never spoke to me while I was in it. When I would be around Christians, they would actually look past me. They would look through me. They wouldn't look at me. They wouldn't talk to me. They would ignore me. And I'm not sure why. I can't judge their motives, but I think it could be two things. One, three things. It could be fear. Fear of how I would respond to them if they told me about Jesus. I think another thing could have been self-righteousness. Is that they assumed that my sin deserved more hell than their self-righteousness did. I think another thing could have been just indifference. No concern for how God was seeing me in that moment. Um, but the thing was, God was faithful to continue to work on me. So my convictions just would not let up. I think that's the thing about when you kind of grow up in church is that <laughs> you know too much to be able to do things without conviction. And so I knew a lot about God, so my convictions would not wane. And I didn't like it. I, I would be at the club, and I'm just like, I don't understand why I'm thinking about Jesus right now. I just really wish this would go away. So I called my cousin. My cousin was the only believer that I knew who would not um, quote revelations as soon as we got on the phone. I don't know if you know any of those kinds of saints uh, that just, just won't tell you about hell every time y'all get on the phone. You, you know you're going to hell, right? I didn't, I didn't, she wasn't one of those. Um, she would actually have a conversation with me, ask me about my day. Um, and so I called her and I was like, Keisha, I feel like God is calling me, but I really don't want him. I, I just... I don't want God. Like, I'm enjoying my life. I'm, I'm having fun. I'm, like, chilling. You know what I'm saying? Like, I could really do without him. And she told me, she was like, God is going to show you how much you need him. I wish she didn't say that because my life just became real bad. Uh, it just got hectic. So I'm going to just say this briefly. So my dad died. That was sucky. Um, and then I got some money from him dying and being the fool that I am, got on eBay and bought a car. Don't ever buy a car on eBay, okay? Um, just don't do it. So I got on eBay, bought a car, had that car for about four weeks, um, and then it got towed, didn't have enough money to get it out the uh, tow shop, and then I got arrested because I used to steal. And so it just was terrible. Like, it was just like my life was just becoming uh, ridiculous. And it felt like God was just making my life horrible for me to take notice of his goodness for me to pay attention to him. And I think it's a mercy because there are some people who are living wicked lifestyles and they are in lives full of prosperity where they don't even have the opportunity to pay attention to God. And so I think that my life being a little bit hard was God's goodness towards me. October, 2008, I'm 19 and I'm in my bed. I wasn't at a church. I wasn't at a conference. There was no altar. Once again, I wasn't going to church and I was in my bed. I was probably watching making the band or something really irrelevant. And I felt God speak to my heart and say that the girl that I was with would be the death of me. It was deep because I felt as if he wasn't just saying that lesbianism would be the death of me, but that my life would be the death of me. And so in me, I noticed that I had a big issue with the Lord. So I started to compare the cost. I started to think about everything that I loved and their consequences. So I thought about, okay, uh, okay, I think it's been clear that God don't like that. I done heard that all my life. Okay, that's not good. 
Oh, I really like uh, getting drunk. Man, that's a sin too. Dang. Um, I don't d honor my parents. Man, Old Testament was very clear that that's not okay with God. Oh, goodness gracious, I'm a thief. Hell, wow. Like, I was just like, everything I loved was terrible. Um, and what I saw was everything that I had affection for, everything that I enjoyed, everything that I done, did naturally, that at the end of the day, it wasn't worth it. So I started to have this conversation with God and I was like, God, I, I hear what you're saying, you know, but I don't want to be straight. Like, that's just not something I want to do. And that disposition of heart that I had is typical, where if you meet those who are same-sex attracted, you will hear, if you preach Jesus, what they hear you say is be straight. When in reality, Jesus is not calling us to heterosexuality. He is calling us to holiness. But it's hard to hear the difference. Hear me, heterosexuality is not the goal per se. Holiness is the goal because once I get to know Jesus, then he works out all the rest, right? I think sometimes people have become what I like to call heterosexual evangelists where when talking to the LBGTQ community, they will present the gospel of marriage or the gospel of being straight as if that is the goal of this life, as if when we get to heaven, we will have marriage between man and woman. Marriage won't exist. What will exist is the lamb and the church, will exist in the bridegroom and the bride. So we can't preach marriage. We need to preach Jesus. So what I came to see What I came to see was that God was ultimately calling me to himself. That God wanted me to know him. That God wanted me to love him. That God wanted me to serve him. So I told God in my bed, I'm like, man, what you called me to is hard. I had tried to be saved about 18 times, reading a little sinner's prayer on the back of the little books about heaven. Um, and it just never seemed to work because no one had ever explained to me that salvation was a supernatural work of the spirit of God, that I can change my clothes all day. I can change my friends all day. I can start listening to certain music, but that would not change my heart. That would not change my nature. That would not change my mind that I needed the spirit of God to do the work for me. And so I told God, I don't know how to do what you are calling me to do but I know enough about you to know that you will help me. I had no idea that that was repentance because I didn't know that word existed. I had no idea that was faith because I didn't know that that word existed. But what had happened was, is I saw my sin rightly. I saw it as unworthy of my time. I saw it as unworthy of my attention. I saw it as worthless. I saw it as not good. I saw it as an idol. I saw it as a lie. All of my sin, hence. I saw it all for what it was and I turned. But I didn't turn to self-righteousness. I didn't turn in on myself to think that I can make myself saved. What I did was I turned to Christ, seeing that only he could save me, only he could change me, only he could renew me, only he could sanctify me, only he could regenerate me, and I had no choice but to believe. Faith is not optional. 
God was not suggesting that I would repent and believe in his name. He was commanding it. So that's what I did, and God saved me. And I knew I was different the next day because I went to work. Isn't that a great testimony? We're going to post the whole uh, video clip on Facebook, so if you want to listen to the rest of that story, you can. But I just appreciate her transparency, and I appreciate just hearing what God did in her life. And, and you know, I, I think I just want to just quickly say this last myth before we get up there. I just want to highlight what she said here is that, you know, we are, it's not that we got to lead people to traditional marriage or even traditional American culture. And again, let's just be really careful about that. That is not our job, right? Our job is to lead people to Jesus. And when we lead people to Jesus, all of a sudden that transforming work of the Holy Spirit starts to work in the life of a person. Can I have the worship team to come forth? And, and let me just say even today, right, this is what we want God to do, right? We want to, we instead of desiring just, okay, I got to stop doing this, right? God, let, help me let go of this one area of my life. But instead, just say, Jesus, would you let your spirit, right, do a transforming work in my life? That's what happens when we come to him and when we fully surrender our lives in a way that we say, God, you can do whatever you want to do. It's a regenerative work from the inside out. And any time we try to do it from the outside in, we fail. Because all we will do is we will either push people away or we will just create self-righteous people. One of the two. But no, that work has to be done inwardly. And so I, I just, I just want to challenge us today, right? I just want to challenge us. And, you know, maybe, maybe you're watching online and, and maybe this has been just an area of your life where you've been wrestling with and, and maybe this brings a different perspective. I just want to remind you again, I'm, we're not here to judge anybody. We recognize sin is sin. But I will tell you this, that as we just live our lives doing whatever we want to do, we will never find the peace that God has for our lives. That peace comes from knowing God, having a relationship with him, receiving the fact that he made a way for us to be saved from our mistakes in our past so that we can truly live in the purpose that he has for our lives. And if, if, if you're wrestling that way, I just want you to know the door is always open. I, if you want to have a conversation, I just want you to know we're not going to judge you here. Oh, I'm so thankful we're a church that we say it's okay not to be okay. It's okay to have issues in our life. No one here is perfect. And so shouldn't this be a place where people could actually come and talk to us? Wouldn't it be great if we could be the person that someone calls and say, you know what, I, I didn't know who else to talk to, but I know you actually care about me, so can I just share what I'm wrestling with? And that we could say, I'm here to listen. And I'm here to, to speak whatever I believe that maybe God would want me to speak in your heart and in your life right now. You know, maybe for somebody here today, maybe it's not in relationship to the, homo, the homosexuality, but maybe, maybe you're wrestling with another sin in your life. And listen, God is calling every one of us to learn to walk in holiness. Amen. Every one of us. This doesn't have to just be about one topic, even though we're, we're addressing this topic. It's about what God is doing in all of our lives. And I think sometimes we just get to the place where we're just like, oh, I'm just never going to change, right? We're just like, oh, you know what? It's okay. I can, I can be a Christian and nobody knows about that. Or at least I'm not as bad as the, the shun group, right? No, we're all called to walk in a path 
of holiness and righteousness. And so we should all be in a place where we say, Jesus, would you please let your spirit come upon me so that I would walk in your spirit and not the way of the flesh? Because they're complete opposites. They're complete opposites. Maybe that's you today. Maybe you're here today and maybe you're just, you're just wrestling with guilt. Maybe you're wrestling with guilt of something you've done in the past. Maybe you're wrestling with guilt because you pushed someone away from Jesus. Maybe you've been a little too judgmental towards someone and you push them away and, and, and maybe you're wrestling with it. Maybe you're, you're wrestling with it because maybe you, you feel like you pushed a family member away into a different lifestyle. I don't know. But I do know this. Jesus loves you. Jesus cares for you. And Jesus hasn't called us to walk in guilt. Jesus has called us to bring all of our mistakes and all of our failures to him as we surrender to him. He's called us as we bring our mistakes and our failures, that we would also just bring just all of our our desires that are in our hearts, whatever they might be. We just say, Jesus, I just surrender them to you because I want to live as you called me to live, whatever that might look like. And you know what? Sometimes that transforming work is done instantaneously. Sometimes we stumble a little bit on the way. But when we give our hearts to Jesus, he never lets us go. Will you stand with me today?